Valerie's my mother's name. Rush is for white suburban boys. Anybody remember cassettes? My tumor was the Beyonce of uterine fibroids. This is the soundtrack series. The soundtrack series. The soundtrack Hey there, this is the soundtrack series. Stories about songs, the soundtrack to our lives, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Dana Rossi. Coming up later on the show, performer, musician, lyrical wonder, Rebecca Vigil spills the secrets to winning big on a karaoke game show. I get to the 25000 and Wayne says, well, Rebecca, what are you going to do with the $25,000? I say, well, Wayne, I haven't seen my mom and sisters in seven years, and I'm going to fly them out to California if I win this. <laughs> oh, but first... Yeah, that was totally me on the keyboard, by the way. Never had one lesson. Not true. First, I did have lessons as a kid, a lot of them, so this got sad real quick. And second, that's not even my joke. I straight up stole that from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which kind of brings me to my point. All right, let's hear it again. So what song is this? Is it A, Stay With Me by Sam Smith? Is it B, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty? Or is it C, a settlement in Petty's favor where Sam Smith now pays Tom Petty royalties and shares a songwriting credit? Yeah. Oh, I love when these pop up. I really do. Even when they don't, and it's just me trying to convince people that this... Is totally this. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Or that this. Don't you feel like trying something new? Is kind of this. I remember finding out about you. Or maybe just in my head. This one is probably reaching, but that this. One more time. Just always sounds to me like this. Okay, duh. So this happens all the time. Songs are other songs. Go to the Facebook page of anyone who posted about this Sam Smith thing in the last week and read through the comments. It is person after person going, what about my sweet Lord? He's so fine. What about born this way? Express yourself. Countless examples of song A sounding like song B and then sometimes resulting in lawsuits, accusations, some of them successful, some of them unsuccessful. But what I've always wondered, though, was according to the law, what are the grounds for this particular type of copyright infringement? And when are songs too similar? What is the criteria for a song being too similar to another song? And since we're at a point where there's just so much music and so much music to be influenced by, is there even a possibility for a completely original song anymore? Or as I said before, are all songs other songs? I don't know, maybe that's overstating it, but so many questions. So I did some digging a little bit just to find out when legally someone is technically lifting a song 
and is no good because I think this kind of stuff is fun. But what do I know about fun? Because sometimes, I, so you know what I do sometimes? I melt a tablespoon of butter and I mix in a bunch of powdered sugar for some on-the-spot frosting. And then before I eat it, I whisper to myself, no one has to know. So I might not know anything about fun, but you are still listening. So you might not either. Anyway, when are you in trouble? My girl Stevie Nicks got around this at one time by saying that stand back was a response. Can you hear my air quotes? Response to Prince's Little Red Corvette. She heard it. She loved it. She decided to write an answer song. Prince, may I remind you, the same Prince who does everything in his power to prevent you from watching the video for Raspberry Beret on YouTube, didn't mind at all. Not one bit. He is not credited as a songwriter on Stand Back. He came in. She played him the song. He said, yeah, that's cool. Then he recorded a little synth on it and he left. I'm telling you, that woman is magic. And in this case of Sam Smith and Tom Petty, Sam Smith's writers said that they had never heard I Won't Back Down, were very apologetic, the lift was pure coincidence, and they agreed to pay the royalties and do everything amicably. And then Tom Petty made this official statement. He said, about the Sam Smith thing, let me say, I have never had any hard feelings towards Sam. All my years of songwriting have shown me that these things can happen. Most times you catch it before it gets out of the studio door, but in this case it got by. Sam's people were very understanding of our predicament, and we easily came to an agreement. The word lawsuit was never even said and was never my intention. And no more was to be said about it. How it got out to the press is beyond Sam or myself. Sam did the right thing. And I have thought no more about this. A musical accident. No more, no less. In these times we live in, this is hardly news. I wish Sam all the best for his ongoing career. Peace and love to all. Oh, the Zen Tom Petty. So both of these instances, though, were amicable for their own reasons. But when it's not amicable, when one songwriter is saying, how dare you do another? How is it determined when a song is really a copy of an already existing song? I've always wanted to know. And then thinking that I was going to find some very specific, even a mathematical answer. It's four chords and three sequences exactly alike. And boom, it's over. Something like that. But basically, this is pretty much just what I found. According to copyright law, musicians who accuse another musician of stealing their work have to prove two things. One, they have to prove access, that the plagiarizer must have heard the song at some point. And two, they have to prove similarity, that the songs share unique musical components. Oh my God, that's so vague. And maybe I'm just not finding, maybe my, my search just didn't find a specific enough answer. Maybe there is more of a guideline that I just really couldn't find. But that sounds to me pretty much like the what's pornography question and then very often the I don't know, but I know it when I see it kind of answer according to the law. Okay, well, here it is according to me, a woman who sometimes makes secret frosting. I'm going to let you in on a secret, something that only those who are pretty close to me know. So I guess you and I are close now, but I'll tell you up front that what I'm about to say doesn't make me look very good. It kind of makes me come across as paranoid and egotistical and wildly insecure and a little bit crazy, though I think most of what this was at the time was just gross inexperience. I promise I will have a point at the end, or I'm at least going to try. Here we go. When I first started doing this show, Soundtrack Series, I was terrified, terrified that someone else, somewhere else, maybe someone who'd never met me, maybe someone who had met me, maybe evil me, but from another dimension, someone 
was going to steal this show. Whatever that meant. That, in, in my head, it was that they were going to take the idea behind the show and do it. But that they would have an advantage over me somehow so that it would become bigger than what I was doing. And then everything would be over and my pants would fall down and then I would shrivel up and then I would die. Now, that might still happen, all of it. But I'm not afraid of it anymore because of a conversation I had one time with my friend Jimmy about Dave Sim, who's the creator of Cerebus. Jimmy is way more familiar with, with him and with this than I am. But there was something that Jimmy told me about an interview that Dave Sim gave. So, so in this interview, the writer asked him at one point, aren't you afraid of people stealing your ideas and, and drawing their own Cerebus? At which point Dave Sim said, yeah, well, they can try. Mm-hmm. All right. But not because he had this crazy team of lawyers that were so happy, but his point was that no one could draw Cerebus like him. Yeah, go ahead and try, but it's not going to be this Cerebus. He makes what people know as that comic, that comic. He is the thing that no one can really copy. And I kind of thought, well, I guess on some level, it's the same thing with soundtrack series. This, whatever this is, in someone else's hands, even evil Dana from the fifth dimension, would not be the exact same thing. That's all right. And I think, for the most part, it's the same with songs. These three chords in the hands of Joni Mitchell would not be the same as these three chords in the hands of Thurston Moore. Please, the exact same song in the hands of two artists can be totally different. And if you doubt that ever, listen to any song Tori Amos covers, especially Angie. Anyway, I, I guess it comes down to this. I'm certainly not pro-plagiarism, and I personally wouldn't knowingly lift someone else's idea or work, okay, except for that Ferris Bueller joke. But I do think it's less of a civilization-ending crisis than it's often blown up to be. Just kind of like Tom Petty said, that there's bigger fish we have to fry than something like this. And it's almost impossible for the same arrangement of notes and rhythms in a particular song to be exactly the same in the hands of two different people, unless those two people are Barbara Streisand and a Barbara Streisand drag queen. And look, I know there are people out there who knowingly rip off someone else and think they're going to get away with it. In my high school, our English teacher told us a story about a time that he suspected a student had plagiarized his term paper, I guess because the phrases that he was using throughout the term paper were just more sophisticated than this kid would use. So he asked the kid, using one of the phrases this kid used, okay, what is a vegetative state? And this kid said, New Jersey. So it does happen. But people who knowingly lift other people's work, well, I always looked at it like the whole give a man a fish, teach a man to fish kind of thing. Knowingly stealing someone else's songwriting is taking one fish. Okay, and then what? But being able to write your own songs is knowing how to fish. And if some D-bag takes one of your fish, all right, you'll always catch another one because you can. At least that's my understanding. But what do I know about fishing? My grandfather always promised me that we would go, but we never actually went fishing. Hope it doesn't show, it'll go away It's just a passing phase, it'll go away You can't just
All right, that got sad there at the end about my grandfather. He did take me places, though. He, he would take me to Rye Beach and stuff like that. So, And he would let me drive in the parking lot at Orchard Beach when I was four on his lap. So, you know, I really can't complain. All right. Our story for this episode is from musician, performer, co-creator of the musical improv, Your Love, Our Musical, Rebecca Vigil. And this is her story about The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy. And oh, that one time back in 2008 when she appeared on a little show called Don't Forget the Lyrics. I was estranged from my mother and my sisters from age 14 to a little before I turned 21. And uh, right before my 21st birthday, my mom decided that this was the time. The 21st birthday was very important to her. And uh, she really found this to be like the, the moment, the moment that we were going to rekindle our relationship. So we started to talk like we were dating at night. Like on the phone, giggling, you know, like, what's your favorite color? Like, you know, because I was, you know, 14 to 21 is like a different person. But you are supposedly an adult and you've done a lot of things and there's a lot of things she missed out on. So we were dating. Christmas rolls around and while we're on one of our dates, phone dates, she says, uh, I want you to get me something for Christmas. I want you to audition for Don't Forget the Lyrics. It is a karaoke game show. And it's like the money works like millionaire. Like you reach a certain amount of money, 25 grand. You can't get anything less, but you can get a million dollars. And it's like karaoke and then the words drop out and you finish the lyrics. It was hosted by Wayne Brady and it was an hour on Fox. It was like a show. And so I know this because I watch it religiously. My dad, my mother, and I do. My parents are separated, but we all did because growing up, my parents were 19 and 21 when I was born. They birthed a friend um, (laughs) to hang out with. Uh, I went to all the parties, stayed up super late, all the weed smoking 20 year olds. We would listen to a lot of music together as well, like constantly listening to music and the music that was hip then because they were kids. And I also, I developed this love for music that is beyond any love that I've ever known. It's this language that I feel like I can speak better than I can speak English sometimes. And uh, I know a lot of lyrics. So I said, I, I don't know if I can do that. I was really, really fat and depressed and a drunk and just in a bad way at this point. And I didn't want to be on national television. I mean, I wanted to be a star, (laughs) but I was actually a depressed lump who couldn't even like imagine herself on television really, if that makes any sense. So I um, was doubtful and then remembered that this was our second chance Christmas. So I said, yes. And I went to the first round, which was at a karaoke bar. Um, And there were judges. There were two lovely ladies and Kid from Kid in Play. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in line to sign up for my song. And I'm like going to pick my jam at the time. My karaoke jam at the time is Last Dance by Donna Summer. 
I'm like a little white girl, you know, a little frumpy white girl, whatever, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, or whatever, and they're gonna, it's gonna blow. But I get up to the, the, the book, and I still can't explain this to this day. And I'm like, no, that's not right. You have to sing Georgia by Ray Charles. <laughs> and maybe it was my instinct of like, no, Donna Summer, yes, you're not a black woman, but you're still a woman. Go black man, and you really kick it up a notch. So I sang. Two days later, I was in the executive producer's office because one of the judges was from Georgia. (laughs) Still can't explain that. My mom keeps saying, like, amp up the fact that I've been a bad mom. (laughs) Like, amp up that we haven't seen each other. Like, they're really gonna sob story that on TV. And so I was, I was like, extra cute and like my parents are terrible so they put me on january of 08 i'm shooting an episode of don't forget the lyrics and uh it was such a crazy crazy day everything you say that's in like random conversation on the show is rehearsed over and over rebecca what are you gonna do with twenty five thousand dollars? uh well wayne i'm going to bring my mothers out because i haven't seen them i said that over and over i haven't seen her in seven years i haven't seen her in seven kind of like took the emotion out of it it was just like a fact about me i'm on the show i'm doing kind of well the songs are kind of hard and i'm surprised by the difficulty but i get to the 25,000 and wayne says well rebecca what are you gonna do with the 25,000 dollars i say well wayne I haven't seen my mom and sisters in seven years, and I'm going to fly them out to California if I win this. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, the song is I Want You to Want Me, which is very appropriate. So I did it, and Wayne goes, Oh, Rebecca, that's so wonderful. Here are your mother and sisters. <laughs> and there they are, national television. And I start sobbing because, oh my God, A, it's my mom and my sisters. B, oh my God, my mom is so so fat (laughs) she lost all the weight but she saw herself on television so anyway anyway so and my sisters it's still shocking because they i saw them at five and seven and now they are 12 and 14 it's just shocking um so that was overwhelming so now my mom is sitting there with my sisters and you know television I have my lifelines. You're supposed to bring two people and then you pick one for a lifeline when you use it. And I brought my father and my father's ex-wife's new husband. I saw him do karaoke once. He was really good. (laughs) I get to $50,000. Who can it be now? $50,000. And I don't know this. I don't know this song when it comes up. So I pick, of course, I pick my dad's ex-wife's uh, you know, new husband as my lifeline, he comes up and this like changed this man's life to sing this because he so knew this. So I won $50,000. So then we go on to $100,000 and this is leaving on a jet plane. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so I got that too because it's fucking easy. And uh, I said backstage that I would not, $100,000, I would not gamble after that. I'm not a big gambler. And I said, if I'm not 100% after I get 100, I'm walking away. I'm gonna take the 100 and run till I can no longer see anyone I know. So I got the 100 grand and then it was on to the 200 grand. Rock anthems is the category. I'm thinking, what? Queen, Journey. It's a song I've never heard of and the boys are back in town. So I'm like, well, 
that's the one I recognize, so I'll pick that. This song sucks, first of all. The verse is a monologue. It's a monologue. It's a guy, this guy, and that guy. It sounds like that. It's dumb. So I didn't know it, and I, um, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is, I'm going to walk away. I have one lifeline left. Goes to AB. It's, uh, you know, driving all the old men nuts, driving all the old men crazy, right? In my head, and you probably all know, it's driving all the old men crazy. In my gut... I think it's that, my brain doesn't know 100%. And there's no way that I'm gonna lose 75 grand. So I said, I am gonna walk away. And of course they make me answer. And I say, well, I I think it was B and it was B. (sighs) That is really a moment. And by the way, on game shows, they do make them wait that long to see the answer. (laughs) And, and, And that moment, was filled with such complicated emotions and that song is playing. My reunited mother is here and saw me get an answer she knew I knew wrong. She, I just won a life-changing amount of money. Okay, the story doesn't stop. January 2008 is when I won the money. I didn't get it until February of 2009. 2008 was the worst year of my life. Almost died. This is the scar from the seatbelt because I was so drunk, I hit a center divider, full speed, no seatbelt, through the windshield. June of 08. Never would have seen the money. But I kind of crumpled because that moment was so full of, I get to get away. I get to change. I get to have the space to change and that space wasn't real until a year and a month later. I instead nearly destroyed my life. Uh, My boyfriend dumped me because he saw me bloody in handcuffs and said he couldn't love me after that. It was nuts. It was like the roller coaster. It was you were at the top of the hill and uh, now you gotta come back down, lady, if you wanna go back up. So February of 09, big envelope arrives and I have never ever looked at a piece of mail longer in my life and I open it and it's a just a fucking check for a hundred grand yeah it's like here you go but anyway that that moment that that song has so much meaning in it I got an opportunity to change my life it was the beginning of the second chance with my mother it was the beginning of a period of my life where I was learning how to just stay the course and know that your day will come and your incline will come back. Thank you. Yes, Rebecca Vigil. And for real, what is it with moms and going on game shows? My mother is constantly telling me I should go on this game show or that game show. Why? Because I can sit in the comfort of my own home and get 40% of Jeopardy questions right. No, mom. No. And that's it. That's our episode for this go around. This has been the soundtrack series. And coming up, if you're in New York City, we will be live at QED Astoria on Saturday, February 7th. And then on Saturday, February 14th, 
we're doing another blend show with the Bonnie and Maud Film Podcast ladies at Videology in Brooklyn. And because it's V-Day, it'll be stories about the steamy sex scenes in movies and TV and the crazy music that often goes with it. And hey, if you're not near New York City, as always, you can find us right here where you found us. And if you like what you hear, let us know on iTunes. We always love hearing from you. This has been the Soundtrack Series, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. Thanks for listening.